I'm finna put all this in my book bag, cause I'm from the streets. Yeah, yeah. Boom, it's your boy Ambition, and welcome to another episode of the MYFD podcast. And today with me, I have Mr. E.A. Holspovitz. Did I say that correctly? Uh, you were pretty close. Uh, it, it is a whopper of a last name, and it throws people off. It's actually Solkovitz, uh, and that's okay because until I was 12 years old, I thought my name was Go Chop Wood. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have Mr. E.A. Solkovitz, the founder and patriarch of Givers University. Uh, we were just talking prior to this. He said that means that he's the entrepreneur that is wearing many hats, so he's the uh, chief dishwasher as well as the uh, accountant on some days and uh, we love to hear it. Uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, Givers University. For sure uh, and thank you for having me on your great podcast and being able to share with your listeners. Um, at, at Givers University we actually teach a skill that just isn't being taught anywhere else. I've been very blessed since uh, I made a goal to do 200 podcast interviews from April to April, and I'm literally at 185 right now, so next month I'll certainly hit the goal of 200. And I can share with you that what's been fascinating to me is that with all the hosts I've been blessed to talk to, not one of them has said they've heard of this, what I'm about ready to say, being taught anywhere else. And we teach a skill, and first I sort of want to mention to your listeners, we love everybody. I say it again emphatically. We love everybody and we teach a skill. We teach people how to separate the person who we love from their deeds, which we may not love. And to through that separation and observing their deeds, we watch their deeds and we teach people, look and watch them doing these things. We even give them checklists. Watch them doing these specific deeds. And when you see them doing these things, don't listen to what they're saying, watch what they do. When you watch them doing certain things, you may then want to think and discern, should I bring them closer into my life? Because givers bring with them the three W's of a giver, wisdom, wealth, and wellness. Or because of what I see them doing, the deeds I see them doing, should I begin to respectfully, not rude or nasty, but respectfully begin to distance myself? Because if I bring them closer based on what I'm seeing them do, they're going to make me collateral damage. And, and because of that, I'll be stomping out fires not of my making. My stress level will go up. And then I ask your listeners, think about every time you have to stomp out a fire and think about every time your, your stress level goes up. And those things all have one thing in common. There's a name attached to them. So we teach people how to discern in their relationships. Like this one guy said, wow, this is really great stuff. You know, I've read a book and said, I have to have five good people around me. And I said, you're right, you should. You should have five good people around you. One question, which five? And all of a sudden he's staring at me with this blank look. I said, you see my point? No one's teaching us which five. And, uh, you know, so that's basically what we teach. In one word, we teach the word discernment in relationships. How do you decide, not judging people, because when we say giver, uh, you know, we use the term givers and takers. When we use those terms, we're not judging people. and We're not labeling people. We don't do that. We're identifying their deeds. So we say, when we say giver, we're saying giver deeds. When we say taker, we're identifying taker deeds, the things they do. Um, and we even teach checklists. We have one that's called the 25 do's. 
And you can literally go down a checklist and watch them doing certain things. And from that, begin to discern, should I have them closer in my life? Because then my productivity is going to go up. Right. Or if I, or maybe I should respectfully distance myself because they're going to make my productivity go down because I'll be stomping out fires and stress level and everything else. So that's basically, in a nutshell, what we teach at Givers University. Man, that, that sounds incredible. It sounds very amazing. And I'm saying this from a perspective of I know people that utilize this skill that you're talking about. And I know that we even talk about it biblically at, at a lot of us was raised in church. We were raised with that uh, and I'm not trying to bring religion into it because I think it's a skill that is uh, it's a skill and a principle that you'll find in many religions and many principles and many disciplines. Uh, I know I've been introduced to it even as a martial artist, but no one has really called it out as a skill. And I have to add my name to, you know, the hundred plus podcasters that you said have not seen anybody teaching this skill, man. So I think what you're doing is really great. And I'm glad that my listeners get to listen to uh, somebody who was so thoughtful about a principle that I think is very necessary in this day and age. So it, in in so doing, um, there's a lot of people who are complaining about something called ghosting, right? Um, when you respectfully separate yourself from someone are you notifying them about that separation or is this a you know separate and silence type thing and what do you say to the people who consider that to be uh ghosting just leaving someone high and dry well um that's a really great question and and there's a significant difference because uh um when 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 someone and again you know we actually have checklists right on the left side you go down this and we give these away we give them away free and we say download it and on the left side you can make check marks when you see them up doing things and on the right side and at the bottom you total it and you're pretty much down the path now if we identify that because of the taker deeds we're seeing that we should we'd be better off respectfully distancing ourselves from them it really just means not becoming so readily available um you know where ghosting would be and you you made a very good point uh, you know, leaving them high and dry, if you will. And, and we don't believe in that. I believe, you know, and, and based on certain instances, maybe it is prudent to just, you know, call it what it is, if you will, and, and identify the elephant in the room. Uh, but in many instances, we say it's just sort of easier sometimes to respectfully just not be as readily available to those people because you want to surround yourself with the people that are going to help you in your life. And and, and I can share with you, and I... And I I'm, I'm very happy to talk about it openly. Uh, you know, I, I, I do believe in the Bible and I read the Bible cover to cover every single year. Uh, and I can share with you that it's, it's easier to do than most people even think, by the way, that you know, two chapters in the Old Testament and 20 verses in the New Testament, and you do that every day for a year and you're, you read the whole thing cover to cover. So it's really only 15 minutes of consistency. And I can share with you that you brought up a really good point that I love, and that is that key of discernment. And, uh, and, and it should be in everyone's life, you know, where we see today, and don't we see today, businesses opening and closing faster than ever before in history, where, you know, before a company would last multi-generations, and now if it's been around six years, it's an old company already, you know, and, and, and we see products being antiquated overnight by brand new products at a speed that's fascinating. So when all that happens, what do we have left? 
Well, we have our relationships and no one's teaching us how to be discerning in those. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm positive just from your references so far, you're a self-improvement guy and self-growth and I am and I'm sure many of your listeners are, but no one's teaching us, what about the other guy? What if he's doing it wrong? What should I do about that? You know, do I need to pull him in closer and let him just make me collateral damage all day long? Or will my life be respectfully better <clears throat> and better if I'm just not more readily available to that person and I focus more on those relationships that are around me and closer to me? You, you know, what What I love about it is, you know, you, you, you're prioritizing your life. And I think a lot of us have been taught that to prioritize yourself over what's good for someone else is actually selfish. So what do we say to the people who hold it as a belief in their heart that to if I prioritize the success of my life and the well-being of my life and, you know, who I want to become, what do you say to that person who believes that, you know, if I prioritize myself, I'm being selfish? Uh, that's a great question. And I can share with you that there are five priorities that we've identified with Givers University. We call them the five primary priorities in everyone's life. <clears throat> and I can share with you with these five priorities through my 40 years plus in business, I've tried all the possible variables and putting them all in different orders uh, of these five. And there's only one way I can truly say personally, from my personal experience, using it in all different ways. There's only one way the five primary priorities in life work long-term. And that's simply put, God, family, country, business, self, in that order. Now say it again, God, family, country, business, self. And, that is, and if you notice, self is fifth in that priority. And when we have that mindset, more and a giver mindset and helping other people <clears throat> and and having our priorities in line, everything else is so much easier. And believe me, I tell you, I put that fifth one at number one and I put two at number four and number one at number five. I've tried all of them. And there's only one where it seems like it's so smooth and so fast and so much, and so much easier than all the other ways literally put together. So we actually teach those five priorities in that order. I think that's um, I think that's really important that you mentioned how this comes from experience, right? And with it coming from experience, you know, I, I definitely have to agree with you. But I definitely have to agree with you that, you know, th this is really going to help a lot of people that are listening. Um, and like you mentioned, the experience of putting fifth first because we see a lot of people doing that currently uh i definitely think that's the uh primary agenda of our social media generation it seems like right um not knocking anyone but you know there's a huge emphasis on personal branding uh with your 40 years of experience in business uh what how do you view personal branding and the role that it plays uh within your current business and how have you used it previously 
<clears throat> Again, another great question. Thank you. I appreciate your questions. They're very insightful, and so many of the podcasts are, you know, more canned kind of ones. And so, thank you for that. Uh, it actually makes it way more interesting for me to be able to share with your listeners those things too. Um, <clears throat> you know, certainly we live in a world where you know, um, you know, preeminence is being taught. You know, and and be the smartest person in the room and hold yourself as the smartest. Person. And my mentor actually taught me just the opposite. He said, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. There's nothing for you to learn there. You shouldn't be there. And and I can share with you again, <clears throat> based on experience, that I've met literally thousands of educated idiots in my life. And when I say educated idiots, I you know I don't mean that demeaningly, other than the fact that they really have all the book knowledge and they've taken some course or they, they have this information and they spew it back at you but they have zero execution and zero implementation skills. Mm. And I'm a huge advocate for mentoring uh, because of the, how my mentor, uh, you know, the impact he had on my life. In fact, I, don't make, I didn't make up anything, not one single thing that we teach at Givers University. It was all taught to me by people much smarter than me. And I just simply was, and I only had, I only really had one, I'd call this a superpower. You know, I'd say, what's your superpower? I'd say I had one and it was real simple. I had the ability to say, you know, I don't know about that. Could you teach me about that? I'd love to learn. That was it. That was it. And from that, I was able to glean incredible amounts of information from people who were great mentors for one simple reason. They had done it. They're not an educated idiot that you're just spewing it back to you. Because when you pay those people to help you or mentor you, what you're really doing is you're paying for their education because they haven't done it. But a person who has done whatever it is you're seeking brings with them all the things that didn't work. And that's where the value is. That's where the wisdom is. Uh, and that's you know, one of the differences between knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom is knowing what to do and when to do it. And you only learn that by making the mistakes and having the scars on your shins, if you will. And, and I was very blessed to meet a mentor that had a huge impact on my life and, and taught me so many of these things and experiences that I'm able to share with others. So uh, for those that, you know, I, I mean, I think, you know, personal branding, I, you know, I, I think sometimes that's overtossed, I guess you could say. And, you know, my, my feeling has always been, you know, I'm much more interested in providing a service and I'm much more interested in what the other person's brand is and how I can help them and help their business and help them with their biggest challenges than to portray myself in a certain way. Uh, you know, so, and, and I find that that works, you know, because overall, when the bottom line's drawn, I mean, how much do they really care how much you think your own preeminence, preeminence matters? But what they do matters to them is how you might be able to help them with a big challenge in their life or with their business. Uh, and, and, and to that point, can I share a story with you really to that point? I love stories, man. You, you came okay. to the right podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, I, I met a, the man that became my mentor. Um, you know, I, fortunately, I was able to meet him at a very, very early age. Uh, and, and actually, if I can, I'll just sort of sandwich in. We have a few minutes, so I'll, uh, I should warn your listeners. I never say anything in 10 minutes if I can say it in 20, so they're fair warned. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my, my background, very humble. My father was a milkman, delivered milk. Back then, milk came in glass gallons, you know, and I was five years old, helped my father. And at 16, I became a janitor. So, I mean, I, I wasn't even middle class. I was probably a step underneath middle class, I guess you could say, but very humble upbringing. But at 16 years old, I was able to be bonded, which means insured. So that allowed me as a janitor 
to be in really expensive businesses in case my buffer hit something, the insurance company pay for it, or uh, you know, it allowed me to be expensive places and also very expensive homes. There was a home of a lady that I cleaned every single Wednesday when I was 16 years old and actually did for a couple of years. And when I say her name, it won't mean anything until I make the movie reference. Then your listeners will know who I'm talking about. Uh, and her name was June Martino. And again, I, and I'm from the Chicagoland area, born and raised there. I live in Michigan now, but first 30 years of my life was in the Chicagoland area and specifically in an area called Oak Brook. Uh, there was a movie out a few years back. It'll be out for a few years, that's for sure, because it's actually, it's actually a very good view. If you haven't seen it, I really recommend it. It's called The Founder. It's about McDonald's. Uh, and Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc. Um, and, and I can share with you that at the beginning of the movie, it says this is based on a true story. That's true, but it's not the true story. You know, all kinds of Hollywood spin. I lived the phenomenon. I lived in Oak Brook where the world headquarters of McDonald's was. So in my whole life, I experienced, in fact, uh, uh, did you catch the movie by any chance? Did you see it? I, I didn't, but I'm definitely gonna okay. go watch. Yeah, it. check it out. Like, it seems and like they refer a within the yeah, yeah. library, so we got it. Really is, it really is, and it's a good view. And uh, just keep in mind that Ray Ray Kroc is right. not he was not the way he's portrayed in the movie. There's so much Hollywood spin and drama, uh, just to you know make the interest engage the the viewer, I guess you could say. Right. Um, but there are certain events that are nodded to that actually did occur, and in the movie, Michael Keaton, who plays Ray Kroc. Uh, he's talking to a lady outside his office all the time. June this, June this, June that. She's in the whole movie. That lady, June Martino, is the lady whose house I cleaned every Wednesday. Wow. And when I met her, she already had the third most controlling stock in McDonald's. And she was a local icon. Everyone knew who June Martino was. You know what I mean? And here I am, you know, I'm 16 years old, and I'm cleaning, helping. Well, she had a full-time maiden butler. I did some of the heavier stuff, like the swimming pool and garage, that kind of stuff. And... Uh, uh, and so I was astonished by, you know, this woman. She, I mean, she clearly has the third most controlling stock at McDonald's, has, is worth more zeros than I have fingers and toes, and an icon of the area. And one day I just asked her about McDonald's. I just asked because she was so approachable. And that was, that was so astonishing to me because for some reason I thought that to make it in life or to be prosperous, you had to be a jerk. You had to push people down. You had to be me only. You know, I'm first. That's all that matters. And and she was so the opposite. It was it wasn't even funny. Just so approachable, so nice. If I was buffing the floor and looking down when she walked through the room, she would say hi, even though I hadn't even looked up. I mean, that kind of real approachable. Wow. So she told me. First of all, she told me everything you see in the movie. She literally. It was it was like someone was recording the conversation she had one day when I asked her about McDonald's. She took me in the kitchen, told me the whole story from beginning to end. And it's just her and I. She has the maiden butler bringing us food so she can keep telling me the story. And I'm thinking, man, you know, this is June Martino and she's telling this not no 16-year-old, yours truly, right. this whole thing. What's she even talking to me all day long for? This is just, this is crazy, you know. And, and she keys to success. It really was. It really, really was. And she told me, which was the important lesson, the impact Ray had on her life. And I thought, you know, that's what I need. I need to find me a Ray Kroc because it certainly didn't work out too bad for her. You know, here I am cleaning her million dollar mansion and it was million dollars when I was 16 years old. Right. And I'm thinking, you know, that's what I need. I, all I know is I'm the son of a milkman, burnt out janitor, 
I think my fun time is getting free songs on a jukebox at two in the morning when I'm cleaning a bowling alley. And I, I don't even know what I don't know. You know, it's not only do I, I, all I know is I don't know it, whatever it is, whatever it is. And I thought, how, where would I find my Ray Kroc? How would I find, where's my Ray Kroc? And it wasn't two months later, we got a phone call at the janitorial service, which I was still working at. And, and, and my boss sent me to show some carpeting to this man. And the man offered me a job and he became the son. I became the son he never had. And he became the father I never had. And he became my mentor. And he told me about, I finally got to the story. I was going to tell you 30 minutes ago. Anyway, he told me about <laughs> this, what it was like growing up in the Great Depression. Wow. And it's a fascinating story about, you know, solving other people's challenges, which was what the point was when I was talking about preeminence and branding, how I think, you know, even though I think it is important to, you know, ha let people know and have a way of letting people know that you can produce results. Um, but I think there's a little bit of an overemphasis on it right now today. Um, right. And that emphasis should be on the customer that they're solving the challenge for and not on themselves and what kind of person they are because ultimately the customer doesn't care about that. They just want to care about if you can help them with whatever you're suggesting you can help them with. So Sam Robbins was my mentor's name. And this is one of the reasons I became such an advocate for mentoring. He told me about what it was like to live in the Great Depression. And he said, you know, people had lost their fortunes and they were jumping off of buildings committing suicide. He said there was multi-mile long, multi-mile long soup kitchen lines. People were standing in line for more than one mile just to get a bowl of soup. He said it was desperate times. And uh, he said for some of our meals, we actually ate cardboard. Wait, say that again? And for some, he said, for some of his meals, because there was no food, there was no money. He said it was desperate times. For some of their meals, they actually ate cardboard. And uh, he said it was desperate. And he was walking around, you know, no one was hiring, no one was working, and he was in his teens. And he met this man, and I should say, he was walking by a store and saw this guy standing in the back. So he just, to burn the clock, went in to talk with him. And uh it turns out the guy, you know, was a sewing machine store, sewing machines all over the place inside. And, and uh, the, the guy was the owner. And he said, you know, he said, you know, no one's buying sewing machines. He said, they're looking for food. He said, it's not, they're not they have money for a sewing machine. Then he said, and I'd even let my employees go because I couldn't afford to have them anymore. Then he said, so I come in every day. The sewing machines are paid for. And he said, I come in to keep an eye on the sewing machines. And he said, that's it. He said, uh, that's it. I'm just sitting here. He said, I'm just waiting for time to go, time to pass. And and my mentor had this flash in his mind. And he told the guy, how about if I helped you sell some of these sewing machines? And the guy said, well, what do you have in mind? He said, well, certainly people can't afford to pay for a whole sewing machine right now, but how about if we sell them on payments? And he said, and I'll set it up. We can split the payments together. He said, I'll back the sewing machines. If anyone walks with one, I'll make sure you're covered and you're guaranteed so you, you'll never feel that you're at risk. And he said, well, split the payments. The guy said, man, go for it. I mean, they're all paid for sitting there collecting dust. If one moves, that's more than what's moving. The next thing he did was extraordinary. My mentor put together a flyer. And on the flyer, he put the headline, Women to Work from Home. He told me he never fully caught up with the response. There was such a huge response because no one was hiring. And the fact that anyone was hiring, he was flooded. 
And he put together this huge network. It started out not huge, just with a couple people, of women to work from home. He sold them sewing machines on payments. He gave them the patterns to sew with. He gave them the material to sew the, the, the garments with. And then he guaranteed he would buy the clothing from them, thus guaranteeing their income so that they could make the payments on the sewing machine and have an income left, which they needed for food and sustenance and overhead things people needed. Well, can I like so he, this model to something really quickly? Uh, you bet, you bet. This sounds like Uber before Uber or DoorDash before DoorDash. This is uh, profit sharing at its finest, right? And I believe that the story that you're telling is one of the secrets to success that a lot of people are using and revealing right in front of us and if you have the fortune to sit down and listen to this really crank the volume up pull out your notebook take notes um sir please continue <laughs> very good that hype up uh, fine is pretty and and, and I, I appreciate the insert that's for sure for clarity for your listeners so he had this huge community of women working from home and but it did the story didn't end there then he guaranteed when he guaranteed he would buy the clothing from them that they made he bought that clothing and sold the clothing they made to stores as deep discounted high quality handmade clothing so the stores could sell that the customers who at that during very challenging times wanted high quality clothing that would last a long time that was handmade and at really really big deep discounts so in 18 months, during a time when people are jumping out of buildings and off of buildings because they lost their fortunes, standing in multi-mile long soup kitchen lines, in 18 months, he earned $1 million. Now, and he went from literally zero. Conversion. Give me a second. I got to pull up the conversion rate of what... Oh, it, it's it's easily twenty million, easily twenty million, because I because I did the conversion rate on the McDonald's brothers, and that was in the fifties, uh, you know, in, in the sixties when they sold it to Ray, uh, and and by the way, the way the way at the end of the movie, that is not how it went down, but and they leave a lot out certainly, and it's all Hollywood drama. But I remember when the McDonald's brothers each got a million dollars. I did the conversion on that, and it was like nine million in today's dollars for each of them. Uh, you know, not to mention he bought them a plane and everything else that isn't even mentioned in the movie. But uh, uh, so I, I have to I have to guess, you know, just ballpark. It had to be close to 18, 20 million dollars wow. in today's dollars. Uh, and that's a lot in 18 months, especially under those conditions. That's a lot in a month. <laughs> that, 18 months. I wanted to do the conversion because right now we have a lot of uh, people who are out within the coaching space and a lot of the other spaces. And this is something that I, I don't think a lot of people are realizing when your knowledge is deep enough that you can teach a man to fish, right? That's the right. returns. You you own a little bit of the work that they're doing. And that that's essentially what gifted your mentor what we would consider today to be close to a million dollar month or over a million I, dollar month. 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. And uh, and and in desperate times. So it wasn't just that. You know, it wasn't like it was in perfect. You know, ideal quote unquote conditions, whatever those are. And uh, he. But I mean, this was in very desperate times. This happened. So first thing I always tell to people when they say, you know, I've got a business problem. I said, No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. I I've met the people who know what business challenges are. So I have to share with your listeners. If you think you're having a hard time. I'm sorry. I'm going to be the first man that says, what's your excuse? Because I, and, and my mentor, one of the critical things he taught me as a result of that story was the following. He said, you know, through your life, you're going to be tackled a thousand times. Wow. He says, it's going to happen. Get ready. It's going to happen. He said, there's no avoiding it. In fact, if someone says they haven't been tackled in their life, distance yourself now because they're next. <laughs> and they've been saving up. It's going to be a whopper. You're going to want distance, he said. So here's the thing. He said, you may think at times in your life you have money problems. You don't, and you never will. And I looked at him a little perplexed. And I, well, what do you mean by that? He said, you'll have idea challenges, not money problems. He said, and, and, I, and he told me about, and I, he revisited that story. and said, what he had was he recognized the sewing machine owners challenges. He recognized women needed money and families needed money. And he recognized the store, you know, the stores and what they needed and recognized their customers. And he just went down the line and solved each one of their problems. Right? And he said, and so he shared with me, you will have idea challenges because every, not some, not once in a while, not a part of them, every single great enterprise Every single great solution all started with an idea in one person's mind. He said, so when you think in the future, you may have many uh, money challenges and you might, he said, and you will. He said, I guarantee you, you will. He said, when that happens, remember, you're not looking at a money challenge. You're looking at an idea challenge. And and and, I, and here's a man who I would say was a expert authority on the subject because of what had happened in his life. So at 19 years old, I asked this man, my mentor, Sam Robbins, I said, Sam, will you teach it all to me? All of it. I mean, don't hold back. I, I want to know it all. And he said, okay, I will. But I want one thing from you. When the time is right and you will know that time, I want you to teach as many people as you possibly can everything I taught you. So at 19 years old, I made a vow. I made an oath to my mentor that today has manifested itself as Givers University. And so when someone, you know, when people get into branding, I, I mean, I think that's okay, you know. I just think there's an overemphasis on it. And, and I think, you know, because of the, the COVID you know, craziness, uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, people going online and all of a sudden, if you don't do something now, all of a sudden you're a coach. And even though you've never been successful and I share people, number one, have a mentor. If you don't have a mentor in my world, we call that naive. That's what we call it. Why would you want someone? And they're, they're available. They're readily available, but you need to have a mentor that's done it. And when you're mentor seeking, be able to ask one question. Can you tell me what you've done? Wow. And then watch and make sure 
you're talking to someone who's done it, not someone who's an educated idiot that you're just going to pay and pay and pay. And I've talked to so many people have taken so many classes. I'm going to be a coach for this, a coach for that. And the only person that ever made money was the person teaching how to be the coach because none of their students do. And the factually matter is the person teaching how to be a coach if you ever saw their coaching business, you'd find out they can't do it. They haven't done it either. The only money they're making is telling other people they can be a coach. They themselves have never actually built that business model. And so, and I think there's been a huge, a huge number of people that are doing that. And, and I think, you know, the pendulum swings the other way and, and it will. I, I think it's, I think it's already started to swing the other way. I think that, um, you know, I, to share a little bit of my story with you, I've been, on my full-time entrepreneur journey now for the past seven months and you know initially it was going down the path of saying that i'm starting a speaking business and i got distracted by coaching a little bit i'm very honest by that and uh as i started it i realized that this isn't something that i really want to do but even more so than that uh you have to ramp up your program and it has to run in cycles or run in a process. So you get a lot of people who may do a $15,000 or $40,000 a month, uh, forgetting that that's one month. If you don't start working the month directly after, you're not going to be able to repeat those results. So I I'm just a very big advocate of being real with people and being authentic about my experience. So I, I thank you for being real and authentic about uh, how you feel about the current system, because I do agree with you. I think that we've, I think that we've modern entrepreneurs have started ignoring some of the lessons that you're coming with, some of the wisdom that comes along with having a mentor and um, you know, someone who's singing a very similar tune to you is someone like Gary V where he's saying, you know, you have to put the deep work in and I, I have to agree, right? You're not going to catch any disagreements from me, folks. This is, uh, a Marine Corps veteran, and no one's ever called me up and said, hey, you want a million dollars? It does not happen, <laughs> right? Yeah. At, at least not uh, like that. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And also, I want to say thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. Uh, God bless you for sure. And, uh, and, and, and I think it's so important today that, you know, with people as we begin to recognize and as, as I've, you know, in the past, I've helped people here and there. And, and, and you know, the, I'll say, well, tell me what kind of business you're in. And they'll say, well, you know, I, um, I, I have a coaching business. And I said, no, you don't. And they're like, look at me, this blank look. And I said, you don't. And they still look at me and I said, let me say it differently. You have a business. One of your products is coaching. Now, let me explain the difference. Mm. And then I would go through an explanation that a business is a business. No matter what, there's only four ways to grow a business. That's it. There's only four ways. There are no, everything else falls under that way. And I can share with you that you know, for two years, I was very fortunate, very blessed. I had my own radio show and uh, I interviewed over 1,000 millionaires in two years. And some of my favorite times were the off-air questions I, want, I was able to ask these people because I was looking for the common threads. What are the commonalities? Why them? Why them? You know, and, you know I don't believe in the love and money. I think, I, I think that's wrong. But, you know, we're also taught that it's okay to enjoy the fruits of our labor and it's okay to be prosperous. It's okay to be successful. We should enjoy those things. We just shouldn't love them. And they should, because when we love them, they control us. So when we control them, that's way better. And so I interviewed these people because I wanted to find out why, you know, why these thousand 
that have become millionaires. And yet even today, if you add the income, lifetime income, income together of the average person in the United States, it's still not a million dollars in their whole life. And they, why these people? What did they do that helped them get there? And, and I was looking for those commonalities and those common stories, if you will. Um, and then from that, I held once a month, I had a training where I had 50 presidents of companies to be in the room. They had to be a president of a company. They had to be a millionaire. And they paid $5,000 each for three days training. And I had 50 of them every month, 50 brand new ones and every single month, right? And, uh, and I did that for two years. And, and over the course of that, I literally taught them 400 separate ways to grow their business. And one of the things that they got these epiphanies about were the fact that there are only four ways to grow a business. And even with those 400, they fit under four ways. And so what happens is that people get caught up in this unfortunate circumstance where they fall in love with what they're doing and they fall in love with their product or their service or their book. And what happens because they love it, they think everyone else should, and they're shocked when they find out no one else cares about it. And they and they just and they just scratch their head and go, How come this isn't doing it? Work for Mary Ellen. Well, actually it didn't work for Mary Ellen. Mary Ellen made money teaching you how to do this. <laughs> it really didn't work for her either, you know. And so how to build a business and the basics of building a business has not changed. Uh, it, again, it's biblical, right? It's ecclesiastical, literally, you know. Um, that which has been done is that which shall be done. There's no new thing under the sun. And and even if we look at everything, we can find that same thing in the past. Now it's showing up again, repackaged, renamed, slightly relabeled, but it's the same thing. Classic example. When I was five years old, I'm 65. When I was five years old, helping my dad on his milk route for Twin Oaks Dairy, there was a thing called a milkman. Then all of a sudden, everyone had to go to the grocery store to get their, their milk and buy their groceries. What do we see now in the last couple of years? We have the, People uh, having their groceries delivered to home. Yeah. Just like we did when I was a kid. And it's it came back well. again. It's paying It came well, back also. again. Yeah, yeah. So it, those things come back around. My mentor said, if you want to know the future, look in the past. He said, if you want to know what's going to happen way in the future, look that much farther in the past. He says, it's going to come around again. It'll look a little different. It'll be repackaged. It'll be renamed. But you'll be able to see, yep, there it is again. And wow. I can share with you, these are things that they happen just that way. Wow. That uh, reminds me of something that... Um one of my guests said, and this is in reference to a day trader, he uh, said that, you know, they don't trade based on, you know, the numbers, they trade off of human emotion, and human emotion reacts in patterns. If you look at the pattern, it's going to come back around right back to that pattern. And uh, that's something that I'm hearing people say consistently, folks. So if you are taking notes, that was definitely one to note down. Uh, I think we're coming up on the time here. Here's the question that I have for you right before we uh, close out. This has been a very heavily uh, jewel encrusted podcast. This is a jewel encrusted audio folks. I'm being very honest when I say that. So my question for you, sir, is what is the last thing that it, one thing that you can gift our listeners with that you think will ultimately change their lives and change their perspective on success. Learn 
how to become a giver. Uh, most people approach things backwards. You know, they, they want to always find the answers and they want the answers for this and the answers for that. And my mentor taught me, don't worry about the answers. They're omnipresent. They're always there. He said, focus on asking the right questions. He said, whether you know or not, you ask the right question when you said, where would I find my mentor? Where would I find my Ray Kroc? And he said, no, and we're, here we are. He said, our lives in those ways become self-fulfilling prophecies. He said, so don't worry about the answers. Focus on asking the right questions and the right answers will always unveil themselves to you. Focus on the right questions. Don't worry about the answers. They're always going to be there. And uh, right before we hop off, is there anything that, how, how can people get in touch with you? How can they uh, reach out to you? Obviously, we're going to have something within the podcast description, so just look down. But just talk a little bit more about that and let them know how they For sure. can get in contact with you and how they can go about, you know, finding a mentor within Givers University. Great. Uh, go to our website, Givers, plural, GiversUniversity.com. They'll see a place on there to sign up for our newsletter. It's absolutely free. Now, we're not spammers, so when they sign up for that newsletter, they're going to immediately get an email that says, do you want to go to Givers University? If they don't respond to that, they will get nothing else from us. No more communications because we're not spammers. When they answer that and say, yes, I want to talk to Givers University, two hours later, they're going to get a download in their email that they can open up. We want them to print it off. It's the checklist I referenced at the beginning of our interview of the 25 do's. It's a literally multi-page checklist of the things we should be watching and observing other people do so that we can make sure that we have the right people around. Help us in discerning in our relationships. It's a free download. Download it, print it off, put it in your pocket. It's used for business, family, socially, across the board. Then once a week on Thursday, and we only send out one email a week, on Thursday they get an email that's called the Giver's Toolbox. And basically what we do is every week, we provide, it's about a five-minute read at the most, nothing really complex or anything. We give them another tool, a relationship tool they can add in their relationship toolbox every single week, and that's on Thursday morning. They can also go, and so they can get all those resources, learn all about us, our courses, everything that we have, all that as a result of signing up for the newsletter. That's giversuniversity.com. The other thing we recommend is go to our YouTube channel. There's so many great excellent resources on the Givers University YouTube channel. It's one word, no spaces, Givers University. You'll see it on there. And then you'll see uh, one of the uh, public playlists on there is how to form your own Givers Junto community. We teach people how to, and it's actually uh, 21 episodes, two minute clips. So it's literally 21 two minute clips, walking them through from the very beginning because you know that word community thrown around today and we identify the difference between a taker community and a giver community and the difference surprises many people so look for that playlist because it's literally two minute clips that walks you through what is the difference between a givers and taker community what are the components if you want to form your own giver community how would you do that what are the components of that what are the steps of doing it and then what would even be the agenda and how do you do that? And we in literally 21 two-minute clips, they can watch it at their leisure and learn how to form their own community of two to 12 people around them that are that group of people where they can help and grow together. Um, Napoleon, There's an excellent book out called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Mm -hmm. 
And Napoleon talks about the mastermind. And when he started talking about it, it was quite novel. And he explains what it is, does a masterful job. He does not explain how to do it. He explains what no, it is. He does not. Yeah. You we know. teach. Yeah. We no, teach. Because I, I got that book and uh, The Law yeah. of Success. He goes a lot deeper in how to do it in The Law of Success. But yes, still not as deep as, you know, the million dollar idea that masterminds have become. I think you're, you're talking about something very great, which is how the uh, idea has evolved. So oh, please continue. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So they, uh, so he, you're right. He teaches what it is. We take it the next, we actually teach how to do it. Um, and, and I can share with you that we teach people, uh, we have an acronym that's discern and each one of those seven letters represents the seven steps in forming your givers Junto, a Junto, by the way, a Junto by definition is a group of people getting together for a common purpose or interest. That's a Junto, J-U-N-T-O. And uh, we use that term interchangeably with community. Uh, you know, and I think the word community has uh, gone through, uh, you know, a, a huge change, uh, you know, in the last couple of years specifically uh, to where people say, you know, join our community, be a part of our community. And then you join and you enroll and within six hours, they're trying to sell you everything under the sun. Right. Mm. That's not a, that's not a community. It's a customer hit list. You know, I mean, it's a prospect list. Call it what it is. Don't bait and switch me. Right. And and so and I've more than one occasion already. I've already been, you know, duped and pulled in. I go unenroll, unenroll because, you know, clearly then it become you can tell what it is. So we teach people the, at very granular level. This is how starting from how do you decide who do you want to have in your giver community or Junto around you? How do you invite them? What are the expectational agreements you should have that's a glue that holds all of it together? And then the agenda, once it's formed, how do you do that? I've always been amazed, and maybe you've seen this too, on you know, groups of people get together and say, we're going to start a mastermind group. And then two or three months later, it just sort of dissipates. It just sort of falls by the wayside. And yeah. that was always a curiosity to me. Why? You know, they got together for a good reason. Why did it disassemble? And and I've seen it over and over. And so we decided that we were going to literally look into why is that happening? What are the parts that are missing? That are what's the glue that's missing? What's the so we even teach the agenda? Here's the things you should do. Uh, uh, that's your agenda. So I recommend it's free. Go to YouTube. Go to the playlist. Learn how to form your own giver community because there's very few things in our life that we experience and interact with on a daily basis that will impact us in so many unspoken ways than those that are around us and our relationships. And I don't think I could uh, add anything listening. So for everybody listening to this, you know how to get in contact with Mr. EA Skolkovitz, uh, founder of Givers University and Go be great.